Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 109 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And it's 2022, but we're recording this early, so it's not 2022 for us yet. So there you go. But Happy New Year. Happy New Year. From uh, the past. Hope your Christmas was great. Hope your New Year was great. Um, we've taken a couple of weeks off, and now we're getting back at it. We're gonna we're gonna start back. We're starting a fresh new series. Uh, new series. Look at me sounding like I'm a you're Baptist a Baptist preacher, preacher man. <laughs> We're starting a new book of the Bible um, for 2022, and we've got new beers. we got mm-hmm. new haircuts. No I, no, I don't have a new haircut. I'm still bald and ugly, so... I just had I just didn't style my hair today. Oh. Because I'm lazy. But we're excited about 2022. It's going to be yeah, a man. fun year. It's, um, it's going to be fun for a lot of reasons, I guess. Yeah. RFP stuff's going to be fun. We're, yeah. We're, like, hanging out with those guys and... Um, doing the RFP thing, it, you know, like, have you ever joined Facebook groups and then you get sucked into like that one group, and then your Facebook feed becomes nothing but that group? Yes, it's usually groups you invite me to. <laughs> You're welcome for that. <laughs> Anthony has invited me to several groups that I've been in for like two days, and I'm like, I have to leave this group because it's too much. There's too much either arguing or stuff I don't understand, or it's just, it's just. I want to see things from people I actually know, not just people I know on Facebook. <laughs> there you go. That's true. But oh man, it's fun. Yeah, I like Facebook. I like arguing on Facebook every now and then. I like making memes. That's why. So there's there's two groups with the RFP. There's like this RFP family group, and then there's this RFP meme group. Mm-hmm. And the meme group might be my favorite group because it's just like daily memes, and and I steal memes from there all the time. Uh, sorry about that breaking the eighth commandment thing, but you know, oh well, I download them because I love a good meme. Who doesn't love a good meme? Crazy people, that's who. You're right. I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I got distracted by something else. I get to talking, and Michael's like, I'm just gonna let him ramble for a little bit. <laughs> that's how it goes. So, Michael, how you been, man? Dude, we've been good. Um, like you said, this is just, it's December 23rd when we're recording this. This will actually mm-hmm. come out on my birthday. That's right. January 7th. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. Uh, on yeah. early, but on you'll, time. You'll tell, <laughs> you'll tell me happy birthday again in two weeks. Um, That's right. So, yeah, I'll be uh, 32 years old. Um, old if, man. Old man, man. Uh, but we're doing good. Um, I have... Let's share some news from the Beers and Bible podcast because I don't. Let's think we, do it. I don't think we've shared this yet. Um. So my wife and I are expecting our second baby. Woo! Yeah. Um. We're gonna we're gonna have a new co-host. He will be screaming all the time. <laughs> yes. We did find out we're having a boy. Um. And he is due at the end of May, so we're very excited and um can't wait for him to get here. And my son doesn't really my son who is here doesn't really understand what's going on except for that baby brother is in mama's tummy yeah so um and that's yeah. where and that's where he should stay <laughs> he needs to stay there for <laughs> at the next five months yeah um but yeah we're excited about that and um just wanted to share that with our beers and bible family and uh Heck yeah just prepare you for what will sure to be some sort of break in the spring, in the late spring, early <laughs> yeah, there, summer. <laughs> there will be a definitely a couple of week break coming, uh, or coming if, in the future. Or if Anthony is doing some episodes by himself. <laughs> Maybe I'll have a couple of guests. You could do for, it, man. For the couple of weeks that, that Michael we could, will more than likely be out. <laughs> we could discuss that at a later date. We don't have to yeah. we, we don't have to nail that down right now. But That would be fun. Other than that, man, we're good. Um, today was my last day of work for 2021. And, Lucky. Uh, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be off for the next week. And uh of course after this comes out it'll be the end of the week. <laughs> Doing this a couple of weeks early is kind of tricky on my brain, but um it's all good. Anthony, how are you, man? Man, we are we're good. We're busy. Uh Christmas time is here. Um we are not expecting a new child. If uh if my wife was with child, then we would be naming him Jesus. Um because of never mind. <laughs> Let's just say it's not possible. <laughs> Highly improbable. <laughs> yeah. There's going to be, have to be some Holy Spirit intervention if that happens. So, <laughs> uh, but no, man, we're good. We are, we're trucking away. Kids are, kids are uh, just obnoxious because school's out and all the school's preschools and for four Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're just uh, we're we're getting ready for the Christmas season, Christmas days, and the week after, and uh, it's gonna be like eighty degrees on Christmas down here in Alabama. I, I love it; it's my favorite thing in the world when I get to wear shorts on Christmas Day. Yeah, it's gonna be in the seventies um, here, which the, this week it was in like the forties one day. So it's gonna be it's gonna, it's gonna be one of those weird. Everyone's yeah. gonna be sick on Christmas Day, probably. Yeah. It was deals. so when I left for work this morning, it was 35 degrees at my house. Mm-hmm. When I left work this afternoon, it was 71 degrees. So that was about an eight hour period of time from <laughs> just a side. I don't care. Just pick one and stick with it. If you're going to be cold, be cold. If it's going to be hot, stay hot. Don't give me this. Never mind. It's fine. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Let's drink. Let, what beer are we going to drink tonight? Let's, let's, let's drink beer. <laughs> I think we've had enough of the the banter. To for y'all full, are tired of our banter, I'm sure at this point. I'm tired Michael, of our banter. <laughs> what are you going to drink tonight? So tonight, I could have sworn I had a beer from this brewery, but I don't think we have. I have gone to the Still Fire Brewing Company. They're mm-hmm. based in Swanee, Georgia, and I have the Coastal Crush Mimosa Sour. Nice. Um, it is a. Let's see here. Uh, the can says that they have combined five different fruit flavors to create mm-hmm. a tropical fruited sour, but not super sour. That makes for a fun, tasty brunch inspired brew. Nice. Um, ABV of five point five percent, and IBUs uh, forty five of those. Um, a mimosa is champagne and orange juice, correct? That is correct. I've only had those a couple of times, but they are they are tasty. I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I I, I enjoy them probably more All, than I could as a man should admit. Almost anything in orange juice is good. One of my favorite drinks is a screwdriver. Um, and I'm not a vodka drinker, but uh, I could, like screwdrivers. I could do those all day long and probably get in trouble if I did that. Well, don't do but that. I'm yeah, I probably won't. So, so that's what I, I have. Coastal Crush. That's what I have. There you go. So I have. Um, I'm gonna. This is. I bought this beer specifically for the name of the brewery. Okay. Uh, there was nothing else involved in this. I late later after I realized what I had bought, I was like, "Oh, this is gonna be really good." So from Heretic Brewing. <laughs> there you go. People would think um, we we are heretics. <laughs> that's true. People do think we're heretics. Um. I have the chocolate hazelnut porter, and I realized that chocolate and hazelnut is Nutella. Nutella is one of my favorite things to eat in the world. In fact, my wife will make a Nutella cake about once every five years, and she only does every five years because they're, like, stupid expensive to make, but Mm -hmm. um, it is literally Nutella cake with Nutella icing with Nutella stuff and like it's all Nutella, and it is probably one of the best cakes you'll ever eat in your life. So I'm hoping that this tastes like Nutella because it's chocolate hazelnut, which is what Nutella is. Right? Did you say where Heretics from uh, based out um, of? Where are I? Didn't I didn't look where they were based. I looked out it of up. I, you didn't say it, so I was looking it up while you were talking about your Nutella thing. They're based in Fairfield, California. There you go, Fairfield, California. So they're on the West Coast. Uh, I do love this thing. It says, "Don't be a heretic." Or be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Embrace your inner heretic and join us to push the boundaries of beer flavors. I'm okay with that. Uh, 7% ABV is what this thing comes in at. A little high. So chocolate hazelnut porter. I'm kind of excited about it. I dro- I was loading them into my fridge and I dropped it. Oh, so no. So it's like 
bent. I'm hoping it's not. It's got one little leak spot. I'm hoping it hasn't like it still feels pressurized. So I'm hoping it's it's well, still okay to go. I hope it doesn't blow up in your face. Oh well, this was like yesterday that I did that. Yeah, like I said. So if it blows up in my face, then you'll laugh at me. It'll be. Fine. I will, and we'll have to hit pause, and you'll have to. <laughs> Get a towel. And... It'll be a good time. <laughs> anyway, well, let's crack open our beers and pour them let's up and it. see what we're dealing with. So, here we go. Three, two, one, crack. Oh yeah. Oh, it's still good. Oh god. So. Oh god. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about different ways to pour your beer into a glass. Yeah, can we review that? Because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. So, uh, I have been trying this like this this hard pour method where you just just go straight down in and let it really foam up, like yeah. get a lot of head on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna be honest, it has made my beer drinking a little bit more enjoyable. Huh? Because I feel like I don't burp as much. Like I don't get as much. Uh, carbonation in my stomach right but i still get a little bit of it i mean it's still there but if you pour some of it out when you when you actually pour it into the glass then it's not it doesn't uh sit as heavy in your stomach so Hmm. that that could be a bad thing because that leads me to drink more beer is what it does but you know well i'm uh currently waiting on the foam to die down so mine uh i still have more beer in my can to get in the glass I got a. This thing looks. Mine looked like soap bubbles. Like that's how much head there was. Like it was, like the consistency of soap. Yeah. There we go. That's better. Are you using your? You're not using your uh, beers and Bible. No, I, I I didn't. I grabbed this other one. Sorry, Tyler. I'm using my beers and Bible mug. It's because you're. Well, bam. A, a good. Well, Look bam. at that. Looks, well, bam. Looks great. So. Mine smells very fruity. Mine, mine. The smell of it is not very strong, which if I'm trying, it's been such a long time since I've had Nutella. The the actual smell of Nutella is not very strong. Uh, Nutella is a very subtle smell, but the flavor is but very the taste is distinct. Like, Bam! It's very distinct. Yeah. <laughs> well, so let's turn them up. Let's let's see how they turn out. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. That's really interesting. Do you want to go first? I think I think I'll go first because I think Are you I think it? I can do this. Okay. All right. So the combination I think of hazelnut and malts, hops, whatever it is that's in there, um, I think makes it a little bit too bitter. Okay. I, I I feel like that's the combination. Like I can taste the chocolate, and I definitely get a hazelnut flavor, but. Like hazelnut and chocolate together is typically a very very sweet flavor. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I mean it does have a, a little bit of bitter because hazelnut itself is bitter, um, but I feel like this is a little too bitter for me. It's good. It's really good, and that's kind of where I'm torn because it tastes good and it definitely has a Nutella esque, you know, f- flavor to it. But I right. feel like it's just a little bit too bitter. Um, I'm going to give it four and a half Luthers. Okay. I'm going to give it four and a half because it is, it's good and I would definitely drink it. I'm not going to drink a lot of these because it is kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is going to be a little bit closer to me. It's going to, it feels a little bit closer to a stout than a porter. Okay. Um, just, it just kind of feels a little heavy. Okay. Um, but yeah, four and a half Luthers. This thing is, this thing is really good. And it's got great flavors, got good content, uh, good texture, and good consistency. Um, so, yeah, there you go. Four and a half Luthers, uh, you heretics. Uh, sorry, I had that was. I'm probably gonna be saying that all night tonight. So there we go. There's the uh, chocolate hazelnut porter from Heretic Brewing. How's the uh, whatever sour thing you got going on? Coastal over there? Crush, <laughs> Coastal Mimosa Crush. Sour. Um, it's pretty good. Um, it it feels very much like a mimosa. Okay. Like the the smell as I'm drinking it smells like orange juice and champagne. Mm-hmm. The flavor profiles are very fruit fruit juice forward. Um it's got it almost has feels like the 
like the fizz of champagne. Yeah. Like it's almost like the, I'm just drinking a mimosa. It's kind of what it is. Okay. Like I could see this being like a Sunday morning type thing. You know. Nice. Yeah. Um. So flavors are great. Tastes good. Um. It's not like. So yeah, I said I like mimosas, but they're not like something I seek out ever. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm having a really hard time giving this five Luthers just because <laughs> it's like it's not my thing. Um, yep. I think I'm actually going to end up at four and a half Luthers also on nice. this one. So four and a half out of five is is great. Um, no, that's a yeah, that's a good and good rating there. And this is still Fire's first beer here, and your Heretic's first beer also. So it is. Yes, we're starting with new breweries in 2022. Um. But yeah, Coastal Crush is going to get four and a half Luthers from me tonight. Um, yep. Flavors are great. If you like mimosas, I think you'll really like this. And if you like fruit, uh, light fruit beers, I think you'll like it as well. It's got, Sweet. it is it is kind of a sour, so it has some mm-hmm. of that sour, uh, that's that sour flavor profile. Yeah. But um, it's it's good. It's not, not too shabby. Nice. Nice. Well, there's some beer for you. Uh, we got the chocolate hazelnut porter coming in at four and a half. We got the coastal crush mimosa sour coming in at four and a half. Good work by the two breweries, Heretic and Stillfire. Uh, and now we're going to move into our Bible discussion, which we're going to tell you what we're going to do after the break right now. Welcome back. Um, I realized during the break, Anthony, that you said that they would find out now what our study is. Yes. So that means you couldn't have put it in the title when you post it. Dang it. Or you cannot put it in the title. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll put in Mystery Bible Book. Mystery Bible Book. That sounds like it's a... Like from the Book of Mormon or something. What if what if I put uh, what if I just put like First Maccabees in the bio, in the intro? Nephi, <laughs> Prophet Nephi. We're doing Prophet Nephi. <laughs> the book, we're we're doing a study on the Book of Mormon. <laughs> no, we are not. Because um, speaking of heretics, anyway. whoa! <laughs> Did I say that out loud? My bad. Was that the controversial thing the week for the week? Probably not. Probably not. So anyway, so um, no, seriously, here we go. Tonight we are jumping into our the next book of the Bible that we're going to study, and we are going to uh, explore and discuss and talk through the New Testament uh, book of Philippians, letter yeah. of Philippians that was written um, to the church in Philippi. And Paul wrote this letter to encourage them to keep doing what... <clears throat> Paul had already taught them to do. Yeah. Um, they had been patiently practicing what Paul had taught them, um, and this would continue to develop their maturity as believers. Um, and if you look in other books of the New Testament, you could see that the birth of the Church of Philippi can be traced to Acts chapter 16. Um, that chapter tells of the conversion of Lydia, the imprisonment of Paul and Timothy, um, because of the healing and conversion of a, of the slave girl, and then the conversion of the Philippian Philip Philippian. That's how you Philippian, say Philippian. Yes, sorry, not, we, not Philippian. <laughs> we were joking about that during the break, so now my brain's not working. Um, but the conversion of the Philippian jailer, um, and these and these are evangelistic encounters, right? Um, mm-hmm. They kind of establish the foundation of the church at Philippians, um, and and really. The church at Philippi is birthed from those three individual encounters. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if you if you take those, like if you read Acts chapter sixteen, and then kind of skip over to Philippians, you'll you'll see that tie together. But also, what you'll see is that that 
there there are times in our life, and, and this is an interesting thing, because so many times we look at a closed door as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if something doesn't work out, we're like, oh, my gosh, it's terrible. But sometimes uh, a closed door can just simply be uh, God's providence in your life. It can be yep. God saying, no, this is this is not where I'm, I'm leading you. This is not where I'm taking you. We're, we're going to go in a different direction. And so you can see that in uh, Philipp- or I'm sorry, not Philippians chapter 16, Acts chapter 16, mm-hmm. um, where Paul, he's, uh, he's talking about and he's instructed to go uh, through the Holy Spirit to, he passes by Bithynia, he passes by Myasia, um, and then he ends up in Troas, which is where he has this vision uh, about going to Macedonia. And so mm-hmm. there's, you know, he's, Paul is like, I'm going over here. And then the Holy Spirit's like, nah, you're not going over there. And he's like, well, what about over here? And he's like, nope, you're not going there either. Um, and so it it teaches us that that we we as Christians need to be sensitive to yeah. the Holy Spirit, Scotty, and and be sensitive to doors being closed. You know, I, I've uh, the last episode we recorded, um, well, not last one, the when we interviewed the Red Anks, I remember them talking about doors that closed and opened and closed and opened, and and you know they they were talking about that continual processing of is this the right door to walk through? Just because it's an open door doesn't mean it's the right door to walk through. And just because it's a closed door, you know, I, um, you know, he, I think he talked about the one in Hawaii that the door opened and then it closed and then it opened again. Yeah. And, and, you know, they ended up where they are there in, in Tennessee. But I'm like, man, if, if a door to Hawaii opened up for me, I'd be like leaping through that thing before it could close. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, that's, that is the way uh, that God, uses circumstances in our lives you know just because it's an open door doesn't mean it's the right door um and it's a way it's something that god can use to teach you and so um that along with the movement into uh or the establishment of the church in philippi tells us tells us as christians that we should take our task as christians to faithfully carry out what god has put before us very seriously yeah. And we should follow what the Spirit leads very, very seriously. And it's, you know, a lot of times we make light of, of some things in the Bible. And, and you know, there, I think there's an Instagram account called The Bible is Funny. And mm-hmm. they, they just pluck these, like, random verses and put them out there. And you're like, okay, when I read it like that, it is really funny. But, you know, yeah. it's uh, the, the goal of the, the Christian life and the goal of being led by the Spirit is to say, you know, you're going to use discernment, you're going to use wisdom at every step of the way, yeah. Um, it's not rushing into decisions. It's not uh, making you know unwise decisions, um, but really seeking God and seeking God through prayer, where we just came from in lament um, about where God is actually leading you in your life. And so, yeah. following that Spirit lead is going to be something that that is going to be a theme throughout the book of Philippians, and that's going to lead to Christian maturity that you just talked about a minute ago. You know, the more you put your faith into practice, the more you do these kinds of things, the more mature you're going to become. And what Paul says in other books where he says, you know, I'm going to put away the the light things and I'm going to pick up the heavy things because I'm becoming more mature mm-hmm. in, my, in my belief. And so yeah. um, that kind of puts us where the church is is going to be on mission. And yeah. and the main mission of the church is to be a gospel lighthouse that God has placed. And and if your church has this main mission of being a gospel lighthouse, that's going to necessarily lead your church to be a very evangelistic church. Yeah. Um and and you know, I, I think a lot of times churches put evangelism on the on the side table or they or they try to do evangelism in different ways and and I'm going to tread very, very carefully because I don't want to knock churches for doing certain things. But if everything you do evangelistically is centered around like a big event or this thing that has to happen, you know, let let's just rethink how we're doing evangelism. You know, instead of it being an event uh, that that requires hundreds of volunteers and and you know consumes tons of people's mm-hmm. times. How about we focus on training our people to be evangelistic in their neighborhoods? You know, how yeah. how do we become evangelistic on an individual basis versus 
focusing on being evangelistic church-wide. And, yeah, and again, I, there, I think there's a disconnect because we see the, like, I think success is measured by how many people come through your doors. Right. And and, and when, when, a, when a church does an evangelism event, yeah. whatever that is, I use air quotes that y'all can't see, but <laughs> when they do an evangelism event, they are trying to get people to come to their to come to their building to take part in an event. And not knocking those events at all. Those it, events, it, yeah, those that's, events that's are why I said tread lightly. <laughs> those events are can be very beneficial. They can they can life change can happen. Yeah. But the majority of your people that are coming to those events are already people who are either at your church or at another church coming to like the evangelism part of the event may not be as um, vital or f- mm-hmm. important as some of the other things that would be going on. Yeah. And people who don't know Jesus aren't going to come, may not necessarily come to a big event, but they may re- they may react to or respond better to somebody meeting them where they are. Yeah. To or talk. if they... Or if they do come to your big event and there's, you know, a thousand people there, they may get swallowed up in the crowd and just kind yeah. of kind of cower away. And yeah. so it's it, it again, it's a very, very fine line. But I, I think what happens with these big events is the church becomes this like inwardly focused thing on like mm-hmm. how do we bring people in? How do we bring, you know, how do we get the the people across the doors? Yeah. Um and and when you become inwardly focused, you you tend to neglect outward being outwardly focused. Yeah, and and true evangelism should stir our passions for Jesus. It should produce holiness in us, and that would yield hatred for sin. Yeah, and so if you have those three things in in an individual context, and that's you know, I again it's like a big event to to train your people and teach them. Um, to to walk into you know to go into their communities and their neighborhoods and their their streets and uh, that's I think that's a little bit different story than than trying to have this big evangelistic event but at the same time it's okay for churches to have a big evangelistic event every now and then I just yeah. you know I think the balance has to come on what are you doing outside of a big evangelistic event that shows the focus of your church being on evangelism as a whole. Yeah. And I think the measure of whatever success is needs to change. Like whatever, whatever measuring stick you're using to gauge your success as a church needs to change. Is it how many people are coming through your door or how many conversions or how many like, how many people are being discipled to be more like Jesus? Like I don't, I don't know what mm-hmm. the, I don't know how to best put that, but like, just counting heads can't be a rate of success. No, no, of course it and, can't, and it, and it, it shouldn't be. And if it is for your church, then well, I mean, <laughs> if if you're if you're counting uh, if you're counting heads as your success rate, then Jesus is like the biggest failure in the history of all yeah. churches. I mean, the dude had twelve disciples. Now, I mean. Yes, I understand. Realistically, he had more than twelve disciples, but he had kind of this core group of twelve people. And, well, and I mean, at his, at the crucifixion, how there were three or four. Yeah, you know, there? of of the twelve, of and the that twelve was of the core group. You know, that yeah. was like. <laughs> um, and so, you know, the, again, you you can't focus on numbers. You have to focus on teaching the gospel. Preaching mm-hmm. the gospel. Yep. And and when the focus is preaching the gospel and studying God's word, then I I think the natural outflow becomes evangelism. Yep. You know, if you look at churches who are very strong in evangelism, you see a very deep and robust teaching of God's word. I'm not gonna say all the time, but I would I would argue the majority of the time. And then you're also going to see, you know, these the people buying into that type of thing, where it's yeah. preaching the gospel consistently and studying God's word consistently, and, and buying so, buying into evangelism and buying yeah. into like uh, instead of, I mean, I've sat in churches where it's like, oh, there's another event that we are supposed to go to, like, yeah. <laughs> or like, oh, that's something that I can be a part of, and I'm excited of it, like, yeah, like 
how it's yeah so yeah. it keeps churches focused on essential things and yep. not non-essential things because yep. when churches become focused on non-essential things you end up with disunity you end up with with backbiting you end up with the things that end up destroying a church and yeah you know if you want to read about unity in the church just go read ephesians chapter four mm-hmm. because that's that's where paul lays out you know if you want to be if you want to be unified here's how you do it you know, and he talks about taming your tongue in that chapter. You know, you can tie that to to James chapter three. He talks about the way we talk to each other, um, and then and then he just talks about the way we act towards each other. You know, don't right. don't kill your your brothers in Christ. You know, yeah. um, so so that's a little that's like a really rough history that I realized we kind of got derailed on there at the end. But it was you know it's it it sets up the point of the book of Philippians. Yeah, and so. Little bit of history. Let's talk about the relevance. Yeah. You know, what what does Philippians mean to Christians? So you want me to go into this? Sure, why not? <laughs> so um so yeah, if you if you look at the book of Philippians, if you look I mean, we just talked about the history a little bit. Um so the church in Philippi was facing some pretty strong opposition, and mm-hmm. this is pretty evident by um what Paul is writing throughout the letter, he is constantly encouraging his readers mm-hmm. throughout the letter um, to stand strong in the faith, to to keep doing what they're doing. Um, I can and, do all things through Christ who strengthens me. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. <laughs> I mean, but you're not wrong. I mean, that's an encouragement. Can win this football game. <laughs> that's not what Paul meant, but okay. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad we're going to be able to actually unpack that now. We've oh, made man. fun of that for two years, <laughs> and I'm so, so anyway. So, um, what Paul is telling the church here is that if their joy is found in anything other than Jesus, they've got it wrong. Yeah, and and what Paul is telling us when we read the book of Philippians is if our joy is in money or power or fame or Nice can house. I say something, can I say something controversial? Please, please say, do it, please. do it. You're, I know you're itching. <laughs> if your joy is in who occupies 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, you've got it wrong. Yeah. As as believers, we don't have the luxury to find our joy in anything other than who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Yes. And at the end of the day, all other circumstances pale in comparison. Yes. To who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And if they don't pale in comparison, then you need to reevaluate what you're putting as important in your life. Mm-hmm. Because they should pale in comparison. Yep. Absolutely. So. But, I mean, if you look at the book of Philippians, I mean, we, we've already mentioned chapter 4, verse 13. <laughs> um, but there's so many, like, life verses Again, air quotes um, <laughs> that come out of Philippians, and we're going to be able, we're going to discuss these exegetically over the next several weeks. Um, but just a few here, chapter one, verse six. I am sure of this that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, chapter one, twenty-one. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. Um, Chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So then, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now even more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Mm -hmm. Um, Chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Anthony, since you love the 413, I'll let you do chapter (laughs) 4. Chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. I love these two verses. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought. In some translations, it says all understanding. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then my favorite verse. Can I say something controversial? Please do. Don't worry about anything, including who occupies 1600 <laughs> Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> oh, cha-ching. We're, we're really racking them up tonight. My favorite verse, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. No, that's not what it says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, through him who strengthens me. Um, 
And then 419, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And, Mm. you know, this is an interesting, we were actually talking about this uh, at my church uh, this past, we've been doing an Advent um, study, and we were talking about the the idea of everlasting Father. We were focusing on Isaiah 9-6, the four names that are listed there in Isaiah 9-6, and we're talking about everlasting Father, and he was talking about a Father who gives out of his, you know, out of his abundance, Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, in inheritance, that's really what it is. It's a father giving out of, out of his abundance to his children. And that's, that's kind of a, a, a focus of this verse here. My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, that's not your riches. That's not somebody else's riches. That's not your parents' riches and glory. That's Christ's riches mm-hmm. and glory. Because in chapter 4, Paul is talking about being content in Christ. Yeah. And so what—and this was the question that he asked— what is a percentage? Name a percentage. Ten percent. What is ten percent of infinity? Right. It's infinity. Yeah. So that's what the riches of his glory are. They're yeah. infinite. Yeah. And so he's gonna supply what we need. It doesn't say he's gonna supply what we want. Right. It's gonna say he's gonna supply what we need. That was the point I was gonna make, is that it's not about <laughs> it's not about what you want or think you deserve or think you need it's exactly and i don't know if we've talked about this before but me and my wife have had discussions several times over the years where we look back on times when we were like broke Mm -hmm. like financially but we like we never missed a bill we never missed a meal we we never had somebody knock on the door saying hey uh, y'all got to get out of here like yeah Things got to, and you know we'd get to a Monday and payday was Thursday, and we'd be like, "All right, we got nineteen dollars for three days. Let's make it. <laughs> let's make it happen." And so, but you look back now, and like God was so faithful and gave us exactly mm-hmm. what we needed, exactly when we needed it, out of His abundance, yeah, and out of His goodness and mercy to us, like, yeah. and, and I know I'm sure Anthony has a story like that too, but it's like God will provide exactly what you need, exactly when you need it. Mm-hmm. And he always will. Yes, I, I man. I, uh, after fourteen, let me make sure I get this right. Almost fourteen years of marriage now. In April, it'll be fourteen years of marriage. I could tell you story after story of, you know, something happening and we needed something, and then a week or two later, it shows up mm-hmm. exactly what we need. Yep. You know. Um, and so, you know, and, and the and the whole goal is to be faithful with those things, to, yep. to give glory and honor where glory and honor is due, which is which is with God who supplies our needs. But um this book is going to be the reason it is so relevant, the reason it is so pertinent to Christians today is because it is a book of encouragement, you know. And yeah. and I, I think this is where Michael and I are are right together. I feel like we have done three books of like doom and gloom. <laughs> I think we both just wanted a little bit of encouragement in our lives. A little bit. I mean, but uh, I mean, the, the other studies weren't bad. It's just no. It, it. I feel like we just needed. I mean, Philippians is a pretty well-known book. Yeah. And I mean, but how much more are you and I going to understand it? How much more are the listeners going to understand it mm-hmm. um, after we've gone through it? I mean, after we go through it, I don't know how much will change, but <laughs> I'll understand it more, I think, maybe. so. Well, with that, let's dive into Philippians chapter 1. Tonight, we're not going to tackle a ton of verses. We're going to tackle two. Um, so we're going to dive into just the first two verses. And yep. if you will, read those first two verses for us. Yeah, I've got them pulled up. I don't know if you could tell I was getting it pulled up. Um, so Philippians 1... Verses 1 and 2 from the Holman Christian Standard, which is what I usually read from. I'll still tell you what I read from just in case I change it up. <laughs> so it's, uh, it goes, uh, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. You would think there's not a lot to unpack there. But there are two things. I know you, <laughs> and I can see your notes, so there's a lot to unpack. No, so let, let, let's go. So the intro to Philippians is much like 
most of Paul's other greetings yeah. and pretty much all of his letters start in a similar fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and here he, he – there's three things he identifies. Um, the senders of the letter, who are Paul and Timothy. Mm-hmm. The group to who he's sending it, the saints in Philippi, the, mm-hmm. the people at the church of Philippi. And then the greeting is grace and peace to you. Which are common, but I, I think we're going to put a little bit of, of spin on that when we get down to the end of our notes, and I'm going to save that for later because this was something this was something that I learned, and when I read it, it made a lot more sense of when Paul writes that in other letters as well. Okay, so we're going to talk about that later, but let's let's just you know let's get right down to 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 the start. Paul calls him and Timothy slaves or servants. Mm-hmm. Um, the Greek word there is douloi, uh, and, and that's the, the plural form of the word, douloi. Um, <clears throat> and in this context, the, 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 the word douloi would probably have been understood more as a slave and less as a servant, and, and I'm going to say from a Western mindset. Okay. Um, and again, don't think slavery like American chattel slavery. You know, slavery was it was similar, but it was it was different than American chattel slavery because your American chattel slavery is forced. Slavery in this day was more like employment, but it was it was like um, an indentured servant. Is an indentured servant? I'm uh, like I guess the closest comparison I can find is like a boarding school, but your job. Like when you go to if you're sent to boarding school you live there you go to school there like they control every part of the school controls every part of your life cuz your parents sent you there and right. but this is more like a job than it is going you see where I'm going with that it's like a common I'm trying to combine stuff here I'm I'm I may be making it more complicated than I than I need to be I don't think but so but that's that's what goes through my mind so a slave in this time uh and the, and remember this is what Paul calls himself he calls himself a slave a slave in this time would have had no autonomy. He would have been completely subservient to his owner, to his master, and his own will was completely subject to the will of his owner. And as long as you're in slavery, now you could be bought out of slavery. You mm-hmm. could be, you know, you could you could work your way out of slavery through a certain amount of time or whatever, but but while you were a slave, you had no control, no autonomy over yourself. You did. You were always available to the owner. Everything that he asked, you had to do it. Then does that make sense? Yeah. So, so Paul writing this shows us how he viewed his own relationship with Jesus. Yes, which and makes more sense of when Paul says, "I was a slave to sin. Now I'm a slave to Christ." Right. You know. Hmm. So. And and now his now his will is completely bound to Jesus. It's not exactly. just like okay, like, yeah. like, like it's not just about what Paul wants. It's about what Jesus wants Paul to do. Exactly, and that has to become our first priority as disciples of Christ. We have to we have to seek Christ. We have to follow Him. We have to find out what the will of God is, and we can do that through study in the Word. Mm-hmm. And so, and when we do that the the knowledge that we gain from studying God's word will be how we understand how our physical needs are going to be met. Um our lives and our personal agendas have to be surrendered, have to be subservient to God's plan and God's program. Yeah. And if they're oh, not, yeah. then then we're not living as slaves to Christ. We're living at most of there's a there's a book by Kyle Eidelman called Not a Fan. Yeah. And at that point, we're, if Jesus is not the owner of mm-hmm. our lives, then at, at that point, we're at best a fan of Jesus. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. Yeah. That'll wreck you. Okay. It, it will. Yeah. And so Paul saying, and him and Timothy are saying, hey, we're slaves to Christ. We're writing to the saints in Philippi. He calls them saints. Um, I'm not going to dive into a, a ton of stuff about saints because I want to focus on what he calls, what he says, the overseers and deacons, because he kind of singles out overseers and deacons. And I think this these two words can bring a lot of clarity to 
a lot of discussions in churches today mm-hmm. regarding things like egalitarianism, complementarianism, um, and and a a better, more robust understanding. And and what we're going to present tonight is not the only understanding of these two words, but it is a understanding, and and it's going to be is it you have to filter this through with what scripture teaches in other other parts of the bible. So, let's dive into overseers and deacons because I think this part is is going to be important because it's going to set up um what Paul is saying to the rest of the church because he says to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi including overseers and deacons. And I I wonder if that's almost like a um Hey, I'm talking to you guys in the back too, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, that's kind of a, a thing that that I, I put into that. But but I wonder because he said, I mean, if he says to everyone there, yeah, you would think that everyone would pick up on that. But then I, he adds the overseers and deacons. Yeah, I wonder if he's. I wonder if like, I wonder if he's concerned about them not paying attention. Like they're yeah, like you know how like they get kind of like. If you get in a position of power for longer than about five minutes, you get this like air about you where you're mm-hmm. like you don't have to listen to anybody or you don't yeah. have to, you know, whatever. And Paul is saying like, "Hey, no, I'm also talking to you. I'm especially yeah. talking to you guys, <laughs> you overseers and deacons. You better be paying attention because this is really who. Maybe that's maybe. Oh, dude, what about the? What if he wrote a letter to everyone? Air quotes again." <laughs> Including the overseers and deacons, it's really just to them. It, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm just, I'm just, it's not. I mean, I'm just wondering if, like, Paul's like, "Hey, everybody, wink, wink." <laughs> overseers and deacons really need to pay attention to this. <laughs> it, it like this part reminds me of there's the the I'm gonna go back to Instagram because I've spent too much time flipping through Instagram uh, the last couple of days, but. I think it's I think it's called is it woke Jesus memes? I don't know. It's one of those best Christian memes Instagram mm-hmm. woke Jesus memes Instagram accounts. And it's like the the little the four comic style and it's like, you know, Jesus is like you have to be kind to everybody, you know, and all this kind of stuff and then somebody What about the crowd, Gary? What about Gary? <laughs> yes, yes, you have to be Gary. kind to Gary. Ha, ha, then, suck it losers and then Jesus is like not now Gary. Not now, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I almost feel like that's what this is right here. It's like, you know, to all of you guys and the overseers and deacons back there, come on, guys, get with the program here. Um, I I was just, I'm just thinking like the letters at the church, right? mm -hmm. And they're reading it, but like the overseers and deacons are out smoking in the parking lot. (laughs) Whoa, deacon smoking in the parking lot must be a Baptist church. And then, and then the, you know, somebody sitting in the back runs out to the parking lot. Hey, this is for y'all too. And they're like, put it out and run back in there. It's possible. So anyway, that was total rabbit trail that sorry, we probably that meant was, to go down. That's, um, I'm sorry. But when we talk about overseers and deacons, deacons are people who serve. And and we're going to talk about the two specific Greek words here in just a minute, but deacons are, are people who serve. And there's actually a little bit of debate over how to translate this. Is this overseers and deacons, or is this overseers who serve? Because the word diakonos could mean serve, to serve, or servant. It's like a servant style. Yeah. Not slave, different from douloi. We're, we're different from that, but it's a, it's a teaching servant. Okay, So when you talk about the first word, overseers, you're talking about the word episkopos, um, and that's you're really talking about two distinct offices here in the church, the way we understand it today. And and I think this this could be taken as the beginning of understanding those two distinct offices. So the word for overseer is episkopos, and it can be translated bishop. Now, if you're at all familiar with the Episcopal Church, the Presbyterian Church, no, not the Presbyterian Church so much, the Catholic Church for sure. Yeah. Um, then you understand a bishop is basically like the next the level above a priest. Um, in the hierarchy of church, you have like you know, priests, bishops, archbishops, cardinals. I'm sure I'm missing something in, in there, but there's your... I think your, you got it all in the Catholic Church. Yeah, there's your kind of general flow, and, and it's a it's very similar in the Episcopal Church. I know they have bishops, and then they kind of have, like, 
a couple levels up. They don't call them. I don't think they call them cardinals, and they definitely don't go to the pope because they're not Catholic. So, um, but you, the word <laughs> the word episcopos is a word that means bishop, and in the Greek culture, it was somebody who fulfilled a role who was basically a manager. Okay. Okay. So a superintendent, a manager, that's that's the role, that's kind of the function of bishop or what we're calling overseers here. Okay. What would what would they have done in the church? Like what would have like their role would have been as an overseer, but like what would have been like their day to day role? So and it's hard to say in the church because I mean you gotta remember this is like house churches. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, the churches they didn't gather in stadiums and mega churches in this day. I know that's really hard to believe, but you know, the majority of churches were were gathered in, in houses. Okay. And so, yeah, you know, true. there may be four or five houses across the city that are housing one church. And so you may have an overseer or a, a deacon at each individual house and they're kind of managing their group of people and and you know if there's ties that gets collected and and all that kind of stuff then the overseers come together they put it all together paul is going to say in later on in chapter one you know he's so thankful for the generosity of the philippian church mm-hmm. um and so they they would have managed kind of what we would think in western culture kind of what we would think staff church staffs manage today you know you're just kind of planning money management um, staying in contact with with church members, um, just kind of general functioning roles, management roles. If that helps, kind of not muddy necessarily the waters. pastors, <laughs> not necessarily no. like directors. No, like like thinking thinking about it from like my experience, mm-hmm. but like not a pastor, not a director, but like a manager or a. They would probably be closer to something like a director. Okay, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be over a specific section of ministry, if you will, um, because because they're maybe responsible for one house church. House church, yeah, ten okay. to twenty people, something like that. Okay, um, that makes sense. And, okay, yeah, and so inside of those churches, little house churches, you would have had deacons or diakonos. Um, and this word is described as somebody who's responsible for. They they use the term the one of the commentaries that we use the term welfare duties, and I thought that was a really interesting way to put that because that's basically dispersing um, the the what's the word I'm looking it's for like here benevolence benevolence yes the benevolence of the church hmm. you're you're the one who's taking care of of widows orphans. Um, if they, you know, if they need money for something to, to provide for their family, you would help them do that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, so that's really the, the role of a deacon is more of a servant and less of a decision maker, but in the servant role, you are a type of leader. Right. Okay. And so deacons would, uh, would carry out this, this servant role and, in that time, it, it's it's more. It's hard to say it this way, but but this is the only way I can think to say it. A deacon is more negative or, or pejorative, and a overseer is more like I'm proud and I'm in charge. Is that like you know? like a deacon is more meek? Yes, and a, and a, a overseer would be more prideful. Yes. Okay. You you can I mean that's and, and that's really that's like. Super rough ways to put that, but that's that I was I was struggling with how to how to convey that through, but but that the differences between a deacon and a an overseer or a bishop. So a, a deacon would be like a humble servant, yes, and an overseer or a bishop would be like a. I mean, for lack of better words, like yeah, I'm a I'm a overseer or a bishop, like yeah. Like, you may, I'm, not, I'm an elder. you may not. You may not know that Joe is a deacon, but you would definitely know that he's an elder. That or Greg a, is a overseer. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Ugh, so we have these my brain two. Hurts. <laughs> I know. <laughs> We're only in verse two. Um, so we have overseers and deacons, and and I hope. That right there is, brings a little bit of clarity to who we're talking to, who we're talking about. 
Um, but then in the midst of that overseers and deacons kind of call out, he says grace and peace. And, mm-hmm. and grace and peace is a very common thing that Paul says in, in his greetings. Yeah. And, and, uh, I thought this was really interesting, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna read this kind of section of the commentary right here because I pulled this from a, a different commentary that I don't always go to, but I was like, I'm gonna pull this up and just kind of see. And I got to this paragraph and I was like, that's really good. That's that's just it's really succinct and it explains a lot really fast. And so yeah. um, this is on grace and peace, kind of the conclusion to the introduction. It says grace is Paul's adaptation of the greetings at the beginning of Greek letters in his day. Peace echoes the common Jewish greeting, shalom. Paul's combination of the Greek and Jewish greetings reflect mm. the intersection of Greek and Jewish culture in Paul's expressions. Now remember, Paul is a Jew writing to the Gentiles. Right. right? You know, he his ministry is to the Gentiles. So um, this greeting, grace and peace to you, is used in all of Paul's letters, often referred to as a common formula or social convention in Paul's letters. This phrase of greeting is anything but an empty cliche for Paul. In fact, it it expresses a condensed form of the essence of his theology. His message is one of grace and peace. Grace, the unmerited, undeserved, saving work of God in Christ Jesus that brings believers into peace, harmonious relationships with God and with each other. Mm. And that was from the new new uh the Pillar New Testament commentary series. And I like two words, grace and peace. You know, how how can you draw that much from that? That's nuts <laughs> to think about. Like that when he is saying grace and peace, he is showing his he's like he's paying homage to his Jewish background. Mhm while also acknowledging his calling to the Gentiles. Yeah. That it, and every time he says grace and peace because he's, you know, he's pulling each from Oh, that's nuts. Yeah. Put that put that in the context of something like Romans chapter 9 through 11 where he's saying, you know, in in chapters 9 and 10, he's he's arguing with this this guy that, you know, God can do whatever he wants to do. And then in chapter 11, he's like, and God's also going to include all these people that you don't necessarily want included. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he, and he smashes all this together. You know, it, it, like when I, and that's, that's immediately what I thought of when I, when I went to Grace and Peace and when I read that, that paragraph, because Paul is really colliding two completely different uh, worldviews, two completely different theologies. I mean, the book of Galatians is written mostly to Jews to be like, hey, you guys need to stop being such legalists. Mm. And and then, you know, and then you have other letters of Paul that are really focused on a Gentile view. And so it, it, it really shows, I, I think understanding why Paul used grace and peace really shows the breadth of what Paul's theology actually is and 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 how you almost can't fit Paul into this little cute box that you think you can fit him into right. because Paul Paul was this I mean he was just this massive figure in the New Testament who did ministry to everyone and 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 that brings light to Paul saying I became all things to all people that I might win some to Christ right because you know that that Paul is colliding these two almost you could almost call them polar opposite cultures or polar opposite worldviews and saying you guys are going to have to come together and the reason you're going to have to come together is because you're in Christ. And and when you when you think of the church today, think of the the different views that we have, man, why can't we come together under the banner of Christ and do and quit fighting about the stupid crap and focus on bringing the gospel to the world? Yeah. You know. Like why are why are the things that are so like the things that are not going to matter in eternity are such a big deal to a lot of people in the church? Yeah. Like why? What what what's it matter? Yeah. Like why 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 are we fighting over the things that the Bible is not clear on or that the Bible doesn't speak into? Yeah. Or and why aren't we fighting about the things that the Bible is clear on? Like like there are things that the Bible is very clear on that churches are like, oh, you know, whatever, it's cool. What like, 
We'll just sweep that under the rug. Yeah. I I don't know if y'all remember, but about two years ago, the Houston Chronicle wrote a massive exposure on the Southern Baptist Convention, documented, like, I think it was somewhere in the realm of 700 sexual abuse cases. Mm. And the the majority of those cases were things where somebody was made aware of, and they were just like, oh, let's just sweep that, and let's not talk about that. Right. You know? But heaven forbid a deacon have a beer at a sporting event. <laughs> Whoa, that's that's ludicrous. You can't say things like that. I'm, I, I mean, don't get I'm you just kicked out of the Baptist church. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, I I guess it's I guess it comes back to that whole idea of like my sin is not as bad as that other person's sin, and that other person's sin is not worthy of me even like acknowledging that that person like yeah might even know jesus like even like what i don't i don't know that was a bad no that's i mean it makes sense because we're so focused on putting our masks on and we're not worried about dealing with our sin so that we can go to the world and say hey man you've got to deal with your sin the same way that i dealt with my sin it's ugly and it's terrible, and you're a terrible person, and I'm a terrible person. Yeah. But guess what? There's grace and there's mercy in in Christ. Yeah. There's grace and peace in Christ. Yep. And and that, you know, again, that needs to be the focus of the church. I don't know how many times we're going to say that, but I guess I'll just keep saying it until I'm blue in the face. <laughs> I think we're going to say that a lot over the course of the next however long the study in yeah, Philippians is. We probably are. But that's okay. I think it's an important message that needs to be told because yes. the I feel like the church, the little C church, the local church, has kind of got itself into a bubble. Mm-hmm. And it thinks that what it's doing, like whatever that individual church is doing is the right way. Yeah. And what other churches are doing is not the right is not yeah. right. And I'm sorry, if you're not in alignment with Jesus, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing what you're doing. Yeah. You're not right. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, there you go. There's uh there's the first two verses of Philippians and I promise it's probably going to take that long for the rest of the verses of Philippians. <laughs> I think this is I mean, just having unpacked those two verses, I think this is going to be a fantastic study. Yeah. I think it is too. I'm I'm excited about it. So, well, we hope you enjoyed that. You know, something that we did uh, the last episode of 2021 and the, that I think we should continue in 2022 um, is we're going to just end in prayer each each week. Um, you know, this week, let's, let's just pray that we can be a church that focuses on the right things. We can be a mm-hmm. church that focuses on bringing the grace and the peace of God to the world that is around us, yeah. you know? Um, let's be servants. Let's be slaves to Christ, mm-hmm. um, because that's what that's what Paul brings into this introduction. So, yeah, you want to pray for us this week? Yeah, I can do that. Let's do it. All right. So wherever you are, unless you're driving, don't bow your head and close your eyes. Um, <laughs> please keep your eyes on the road. <laughs> we don't want to get a call. So, um, all right. But let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the discussion we've had tonight. And God, I pray that you would encourage us in the study in Philippians. I pray that you would encourage um, anyone who uh, hears this discussion that we have. Um, and God, I pray that you just fill us with grace and peace that can only come from you. Um, I pray that you help us to be more like you um, and not to get caught up in things that don't matter. God, I pray that we focus on the right things, that we cast the things that don't matter aside. And um, God, I just pray that you help us to be slaves to you. God, may our may our, align, our alliance be only to you, um, not to um, tradition, not to what worked for people in the past, but God, may it May our alliance be only to you, and may we just focus on being more like Jesus each and every day. Uh, We love you, Jesus. We thank you for how much you've done for us and how you continue to uh, just provide for all of our needs. 
every need that has ever been needed, you provide for it, God. So we thank you for that. Um, bless our uh, study and bless our time together. And um, I just pray that you are honored and glorified in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Michael, if they want to get in touch with us on social media places, where would they do that? We are on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. We are on Twitter at beers and Bible P one. We are on Facebook at beers and Bible podcast. You can email us beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on, we have a website beers and Bible podcast.com where you can pick up some B and B merch and represent uh, your favorite beers and Bible podcast and share with your friends and family and, um, do all that stuff. So try that's like where we and share are. and rate on your podcast platform, so we can bump our podcast. Do it. So and if they, you have any, if you have any doctrine questions, theology questions, uh, suggestions for beers you'd like for us to try here on the podcast, we'll definitely do our best to try to find them. Yeah, we've gotten a few suggestions um, over over the last couple of weeks, and the hard part is. Uh, because our listeners are not where we are, they're finding beers that are kind of where they are, and it's hard for us to find them here. But we're going to keep trying. We're always yep. going to try, and we will do everything we can to try whatever you send our way, dude. Speaking of which, so I went to my store, uh, not my normal store, but I went to the the Cotta Chill package, the good one, and guess what they had there? What they have there? They had the Rodlers there. Nice. <laughs> I was like, dude, that's fantastic. I haven't had my. I have two. I had two Rodlers. I had the one a couple of weeks ago, or when we interviewed the Radanks, mm-hmm. and um, I haven't had the other one. It's good. I it, it's that a good thing. one. It was. I had it was, my other one. It was good. It was surprisingly good. So it we're was. still talking about it like weeks later. <laughs> that's weeks how later. good it was. <laughs> well, until next time, we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out.